we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. Executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change, while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those days are over now. I know. Those days are over. <laughs> I've got kids now. I've got you ready? Be, um, uh, <laughs> sensible. You ready? You don't need it? Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne <laughs> the God, Angela Yee, Envy had to step out, but our guy is here, man. You know... Fatherhood is kicking his ass, so he has to get back on that road <laughs> and get this money. We saw He's, you working out, getting ready for this North that's American right. tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. You saw that. Yeah. And sharing his hair. What's up, my brother? What's going on? Happy to be back. Mm. How are you, man? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I feel like I uh, I've only been here a couple of days, so jet lag is actually kicking my ass. I'm okay. Cool. I was I was actually like up at five today, so I don't actually feel too oh, perfect. bad. Perfect. Yeah. So we're good. How was fatherhood, man? It's good. I got two girls now. Yeah, two, no. two little girls. It's um. Yeah, I mean it's every challenge that everyone says, but it's so rewarding. They're 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 great, and it's lovely seeing them interact. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just glad that my first daughter now has a mate. You know, was she jealous at first? No, no. Everyone said that she would be, but no, she wasn't. She was. Just, I think she was just really happy to be a sister. You know. Yeah, my brother was... was so jealous when I was born. He's only a year older than me. He yeah. used to, um They had to like keep us separated because <laughs> he was always sitting on me, and he thought I was a dog because we had a dog. Yeah. No. It's. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, my first daughter, she just wants to hug the whole time. That's so, sweet. And my second daughter is five months. So sometimes you're like, okay, like, maybe Stop don't jump her on. So yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. the age difference? I forgot. I think like 18, maybe 20 months. Maybe 20 months. See, that's good. Yeah. See, my, my last three are all like three years apart. So seven, four, and one. But the oldest is 14. So the yeah. age gap is so far. So she's more like a... How's the one-year-old? Oh, she's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's amazing. But I like, yeah, but yeah, totally. (laughs) But just to, I'm glad, like, being close in age, you'll see the bond. Totally, yeah. More. Totally. And I I, I really wanted to do that. Like, me and my brother were super close when we were were growing up, and there Mm -hmm. was like exactly two years between us as well. Have you got siblings? I have an older brother. Yeah. Justin, you got siblings? Yeah, I got an older sister, two younger brothers, younger sister. I enjoy being the youngest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, what about this new music? So I saw that you did a little secret show. 
Totally, right? That's yeah, yeah, intimate yeah. show. That's a really emotional show, man. Like really, I, I, I've sort of made this album. I had, I had like a bunch of stuff happen at the beginning of the year, and I, I made an album, sort of in and around it. And I've never, I hadn't played it to anyone. And then I put this uh, show on. It was for a mental health charity. And I did, you know, like what Chappelle does, you take all the phones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I played all the songs for the first time and just, it was really powerful. Like really, like I'm I, seeing reactions at a, at a charity event like that as well, where it's for a certain thing. And the album's kind of uh, lent into my own sort of struggles with that. And uh, yeah, it was like, a, it was a really, really good show. Well, let's talk about it. What was the inspiration for the album? Uh, I had um, I had my best friend died in March mm -hmm. and uh, it was as I well actually February the 20th but as I was uh, heading into a big court case and then I had another mate die mid court case and I had some other stuff in my family that was mm. like health issues and it was just what it was it was one of those things and you 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 know I'm, I've become a problem solver in my uh friendship group i'm sure you both of you guys mm -hmm. are problem solvers in your friendship groups and there's just certain things you can't solve mm -hmm. and death is one of them illness is one of them you know and it was just a, uh i just wrote a record around it mostly being like cathartic and it being therapeutic for me because i had no outlet of because i was i was basically in a courtroom every single day mm -hmm. being told that i was like a thief and a liar and i had like no outlet of uh talking to people because i couldn't talk to anyone because i was in this case and so i just wrote a load of songs that ended up being this album that i think will come out next year but it's uh it's definitely it's the the album i've thought the least about like every single album i curate and i get this is the best song from this week i wrote and this is the best song this mm -hmm. week and this this is just 14 songs that i wrote in the space of i think like a week and a half and wow. then it, and then I spent another week re re recording them, but I've like not thought about it at all. It's just like this is this is how I feel at this time, and that's it. So it was an album full of grief, basically. Totally, yeah. Well, grief and like processing and like you know, because I felt when my friend died, like the next day, everyone's life resumed as normal, and I was sort of looking around, being like, no, 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 the world, the world has to stop for a bit. You know, mm -hmm. like when the Queen died, the world stopped. Like I just felt like the world had to stop and just take. A, um, a moment so there's a song on there called like life goes on and it's basically just lyrics are easy come hard go but life life goes on because every like the the worst day of your life ends and the next day begins mm -hmm. and then it's a totally new day and i just it's a, a lot of processing like i've never never been to therapy before and after all of this started sort of speaking to someone and it it's very just opens up your well heart i'm mind glad to hear that well, thank you well, how long have you been going uh i started i started pretty much straight afterwards um when was my first one? June. Wow! Wow! June, wow! Yeah. Wow! How was that first session like? Horrible, man. Because he's, he's talking to a stranger, and you're yeah. like you're saying like the deepest, darkest secrets of like childhood trauma, or like this happened when I was a kid, or like this. And I was things I haven't spoken to anyone about, and you're telling them to an absolute stranger, mm -hmm. and then you go, "And how are you?" And they go, "Mm-hmm." Because like, yeah, yeah, they yeah. can't they, they can't uh, let you into their private life. But but yeah, it's been it's been very helpful. Sam Smith said. Therapy is basically someone coming in uh, and looking at your suitcase and reorganizing it for you. Basically. Oh yeah, I use the closet example. Yeah. I say I say therapy is like a therapist coming into your closet. Your closet is junky. They help you organize your closet. You get rid of all of the stuff that you don't want anymore. The stuff you want to keep, you but, can organize it nice and but neat. But there might be an old jacket that yeah. you hate that just has to stay in there because you can't get rid of it. You know, it's just and and it's just there, and you just learn to deal that it's there. Yeah, you just kind of put it to the back a little bit. I love it, man. I love therapy. I go once a week. Totally. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's something. I, it's it's still quite a like taboo thing in in the, the the UK. Everyone I know in America, like I would say, nine out of ten people do it. But in like even speaking to my friends about it back home, you know, I, I've sort of mentioned it, and the reaction wasn't like good for you. It was mm -hmm. like, oh, you're right, you know. Yeah. Whereas I think it is quite. It should be normalized. I think. And you're right. You are the person that I always see people commenting on how you gave them some great advice when they needed help. I totally. saw. Um, you were telling somebody from The Voice that she needs to make sure she calls her parents and speaks to them. And then also I saw another analogy you gave about dirty water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I find like um, the, yeah, I mean, the, the dirty water thing is, is, is actually an analogy I use about lots of things, but it actually started with um, songwriting because everyone, all these kids that I meet are like, all of my first songs are so bad like I'm not going to be a singer and I was like do you think that the first song that I wrote was thinking out loud my first songs that I wrote were so bad but it's basically you get into an old house 
you turn on a tap and it runs muddy water for a bit and you get all the muddy water out and then suddenly it starts running clear water and every now and then there's a fleck of mud and there's a little bit of dirt and there's this and there's that but it just keeps flowing and songwriting's like that but also like talking about getting your feelings and emotions are like that because you get you have to let it start flowing to actually be to get to a point so with songs i'm every time i write a bad song it doesn't get me down because i know i've got that bad song out of me and i'm the next song will hopefully be a good one but all the songs at the start were dreadful and like i i like you can pull up you can pull up songs that i wrote when i was like 14 that that are on youtube and i say it to people all the time because people always say that i was born with natural talent and i was like no it wasn't i was so bad i couldn't play guitar i couldn't sing i couldn't write songs you learn to do these things you have you put in your hours and you learn to do it do you ever go back and listen to like the first radio show you did? I try not to. Yeah, exactly. I have mine, so when actually. they try to cancel me for things, I act like I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Never heard that before. No, when I first started in radio, I had no experience. I just went on the air mm. and didn't know what I was doing at all. And yeah, but you have is, to start, don't is, you? You yeah, can't get anywhere if you don't start. Yeah, the more comfortable that you get with yeah, that. Yeah, you have to. I, f- I feel like with any profession, like anything you have to dare to suck like if you're gonna if you're gonna be a, a like an amazing sports player you have to suck at some point you ha- if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna do anything you have to be and also accept failure like mm-hmm. failure is such a great part Lesson. of yeah it's su- like whenever i fail in something i'm not like oh man that's really brought me down it's just like okay what can i learn from this situation and what's and what's the next thing and, fa- and failures failure just needs to be normalized because it's so everything nowadays on social media is just all the successes and that's all right. the wins and it's important like people think that i never have flop singles people just think i only put out hit singles because those are the things that that they hear but there's so many times you put something out and you're like okay well that that didn't work, that didn't work. <laughs> so why didn't that work and what what can i do and it's yeah there's, when's the last uh, time that happened to you a flop I mean, single mate i've been releasing songs all year my my uh um mantra at the beginning of the year is you know in between albums i'm very much like locked down closed mm-hmm. i'm writing and i i people come to me all the time and they ask to do um collaborations and at the beginning of the year I just said right for the entire year. I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just anyone that asks me, I'm going to say yes and see see what happens. And I'd say like three out of ten have like really worked, and they'll like the other seven are like kind of worked. But on this type of scale that people expect from me, you might say that they haven't worked. But yeah, the bar is higher for you. Totally, for... but but in my mind, I was just like, I'm just saying yes to everything, uh, and I know it's going to be good because I'm going to make sure it's good. But also like whatever happens, happens. And some have like. I did a a, a song, an Afrobeat song with an artist called Fireboy DML, oh, yeah. and it's ended up being the it's the biggest selling collaboration in England this year. It's the second big, biggest selling song of the year. I think it's the biggest uh, Afro song ever in uh, Afrobeat song ever in in um, England, and that was very much just me being open to it. It, it was actually my my friend that passed away in um, February. He was the one that um, hooked that up, but I didn't know that was going to be that big. I was just yeah. like, yeah, cool, I'll 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 do that. And I think it's a nice. I don't know if I'll do a year like this again because it was a hell of a lot of shooting music videos and doing this. And I saw you with yeah. Papoose. Yeah, 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 precisely. Well, that, but that, but that again. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, why not? Why not? My mate, my mate, Big Nasty was like, yeah, doing... y'all might have missed out. Everybody who didn't ask because he was saying yes. Yeah, yeah. And it, well, there was a certain point where I had to like cut it off because I think by like July I'd committed to like 20 songs so, you didn't so do the Rod like, Wave record where's the Rod Wave record we were in touch I was in Tampa and mm-hmm. uh, do you know do you know what it was I don't have a phone and we no know. one else works yeah. on email so I was in Tampa for like three days and I messaged him but then he got back to me like a month later so <laughs> like so we are going to do it we are going to do it but he sampled um, that you and I song he put yeah, it in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah it will it will happen it will happen. We we are in touch. But you know what's so interesting about you, Ed, and it's, it's that's why I'm glad that you're in therapy. But I've always felt like you had a handle on what's important mm. because you disconnect. You know what I mean? Like you ain't been on tour in five years, so yeah. you disconnect between tours. You disconnect between albums. How do you know when to disconnect and when it's time for you to come back? I think it just naturally happens. I mean, I commit to so many things, and I never really liked letting people down. So I'm I'm if I've committed to a tour, I'm going to do the tour. But then if I need space, I, w- I won't cancel a gig if I need time and space, mm-hmm. but I will wait to the end of the tour and then like have real um, set time and space. So I'll, be, I'll, I'll just be strict, stricter in the off times. But you you guys know what it's lo- like. Like you really enjoy your job and there's not mm-hmm. really any off switch because you're always doing something. Right. So I'm, yeah, even when I'm off tour, I'm in studio or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And yeah, I I'm- 
another thing you were doing was sending out some six foot penises. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Now, how many uh, people man. got those? A few. I gave a few to like some like TV and radio personalities in in in, in England because this came out ages ago. It was Elton John's seventy fourth birthday, and he's uh, my next door neighbour in London. And in his house, he's your neighbour. He is. Do you know what? I bought the house, and they went and they went. Someone really. Famous oh, not the one in your hometown. No, 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 no. London, okay, London. okay. And they go. They they go. Someone really famous lives next door to you. And I was like, who is it? And they were like, we can't. We can't say. I just remember walking out of my house one day and just seeing him getting into a car and I was like, all right, mate. <laughs> Mad. Anyway, uh, the, what was I going to say? I probably... Six foot dicks. Stuff, yeah. He was dicks. giving out dicks. Right, yeah. So it was his, so in his house, he uh, has these cock rings that Eminem got him for his wedding. Him and him and David had a, a civil partnership and they got given diamond encrusted cock rings by Eminem and they... Stuff, <laughs> but it sounds painful. I don't know that you could put diamonds... I mean, I've never used a cock ring, but I'm, I'm assuming diamonds. Yeah, but who knows? Who knows yeah. if, it, if it affects it? But did you I, know? What, did you know what they were when you saw them? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know how you. I don't know whether you put it over the shaft. Yeah, or you're you supposed put to put balls, it. But when you like, saw it, did you know what it was? When you saw, it, you well, like, no, they said here, here are the diamond encrusted cock rings. Cause okay, because I'd, I'd heard about them, and okay. I, you know, it's a rumor, but actually they exist. So <laughs> it got to Elton's birthday. And he sent me like some wild stuff in the past for like my like my wedding and just all all sorts of stuff. <laughs> some so fun things. Just stuff that I have I have up in the pub, and people like look at it and go, "Oh, who sent you?" I never this? saw no cock rings in the pub. No, I don't have cock rings. I've got like a really. He sent me. He's really into like arty photography, so I have this really really weird photo that I, I don't really know how to explain it. It's just like <laughs> it's like a ninety five year old woman who's naked with like seven dudes around her all naked as well it's 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 Have I seen, did i see that, was that probably yeah you probably would have done yeah oh. um and anyway so i digress it was his birthday and i was like what did you get elton john for his birthday so i have a friend that was a um a stone carver and he'd he'd made me a chessboard and i said can you make anything and he was like yeah i can make anything and i was like can you do me a few iterations of marble penises like i don't know if i need it a flaccid one or if it's erect and veiny or if it's like big or maybe one's sandstone maybe one's one's marble so anyway i got a bunch made i chose one i got it put on a plinth and i got written on it to elton happy birthday you cunt um which i'm sure i'm not sure i can say that happy oh, birthday yeah. you c word and uh i was like this is brilliant and i sent it to him and i heard nothing and I was like, uh oh, Vice oh, taking it a step too far. Like I know he's got a <laughs> sense of humor, but he's also got like young kids mm -hmm. and like did it turn up at the house? And anyway, like a week and a half later, I get I get a uh, a FaceTime from him and he's like, I love it. <laughs> and anyway, he's bang into it. I got him a micro penis for his birthday this year. So like a really tiny marble one. Mm. Um, and he gave me through... a great Christmas gift idea. <laughs> but then for from that, like he spoke about it in an interview and then I spoke about it in, in an interview and then all these other interviews that I was doing people were like well can I have one so I would just send them to people and then Sam Smith came around my house Sam was recording at a recording studio that um, I have uh, nearby Sam came around saw one of them that I was meant to send to Elton but I didn't <laughs> like one of the iterations and Sam was like well, I want that dick Sam said can I have a six foot two one and I was like, I guess so. I don't even know Why the so cost specific? of it. That's well, because Sam's six foot two. So he wouldn't want his exact height. So uh, look the penis in the eye. Totally, but it's two <sighs> and a half tons. Okay. Like two and a half. Do you know how heavy two it's and a marble, half tons is? Right. That's heavier than like a car. And you can't. Why, why'd you make such heavy dicks, Ed? <laughs> I, but I've now I've found a cock carver in America. So if you guys want, <laughs> if you guys want marble cocks, yeah, just not six foot two. Man. I want the contact. No, I, I can make you a small one. A if you small, want. yeah, a small, small flat. Yeah. How much do they cost? Are they flaccid or? Uh, I mean, they range. I think the cheapest has been five grand. I think the most expensive Woo! has been forty. Let me ask you a question. You said you sent them to like personalities. Was there anybody that did like a bad review of an album or had something negative to say? So you sent it to them with a card that says "suck thing. my." No, I've sent plaques to people like that before. Like but, uh, when when a it, yeah, when I got bad bad reviews for my first album, mm -hmm. I remember sending plaques to people just to let them know I like, was doing well. Still sold records. Just because you sold records <laughs> doesn't mean that the music was any good. Ed. I mean, it I mean, it clearly was because people like that album. So it not clearly, really. Like, do you know do, the thing? The Your thing, music is good, but people do sell trash too now. Not not now. Not you don't now. think so? No, 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 mate. The the, the you, it has to be good because it's it's you can't fake. Well, actually, you can fake streams, can't yeah, you? People yeah, yeah. are buying fake yeah. fake streams. No, but I mean, like, okay. So the reason that 
you know it's good as tickets bums on seats you know mm-hmm. people coming coming to, to concerts but what i find with albums i released my first album and it got like battered by the press and everyone's like it's the worst album and then the second album comes back that gets battered but everyone says it's not as good as his first his first album was it's the amazing. one and like every time i release an album it's always the last album is like so i released equals and people are like well it's not like mm-hmm. divide divide was the but i remember releasing divide and it getting absolutely panned and everyone saying it wasn't as good as the one before so i just don't believe critics anymore yeah. i'm like you believe like, people showing up well to, i mean to e- shows yeah and... uh, equals is still in the top 10 in in england a year on so people like still like it a year on so that is what i feel like sometimes i release songs that you think bomb in like i remember putting out bad habits and the first day streams of bad habits were like to to say the least everyone at the record label was like oh my god but then a year on it's a hit and that's actually how you know what a hit is and i've i i used to judge my worth on day one or the reviews or week one and it's really about the long game of like what what sticks around like bad habits is still in the top 50 in in england it has stuck around whereas on the first day i was like oh my god like i've really fucked up here but yeah so i I just don't believe it like when people are like so like week week one albums uh always people go like that's such an important thing and it needs to be normalized that it it's not the be all and end all like obviously like a week one figure is impressive but there have been so many records that have come out that may may not have had like a great week one Mm -hmm. that just stick around and then people discover them and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's it's mad to like put someone's worth on what they sell like to just be like this is a bad album because it's not sold this week one is like crazy because Mm -hmm. it's whether it's a good album or like there's there's definitely albums that become like uh I guess seminal albums of people's careers that over time went to, on to sell like five to ten million copies that mm-hmm. came out and probably had quite a disappointing first week. Mate, Weekend's Blinding Lights is about to take over Shape of You as the most streamed song of all time. And wow. I don't think that that debuted at number one. I think it debuted at like 11 or 12. And then it wow. grew and now is the biggest song of all time. So it just doesn't... just. All this, like, focusing on day one, week one, it's just all bollocks. Do you think about your position in the game now? Because, you know, you come out, Ed Sheeran, new guy, everybody loves you, you grow, you have tremendous success. Now you're a little older, it's artist that's, un, you know, that's there's new. Always, there's always the new yeah, hot one. Yeah, do you think about that? Totally, and I see it more as a, I see every release I do as adding to the catalogue and adding to the set list. And I, every, every album, if I have one hit on the next album... Mm-hmm that's in the set list but there's 29 hits in the set list and you just add new ones every time i'm less focused on everything i do having to be it's more it's it's more about being uh you know just making great records that people like and that will make them want to go to the show and then they go to the show and they see all the other songs that that that, that they like and every single year of my career i've been doing doing this at a high level for 12 years but doing it sort of like full on for 15 and every year there's a new person every year and at the beginning i sort of felt like i was getting replaced like mm-hmm. there there would be a new singer songwriter that came out that would sell more. i remember when sam smith uh released in 2014 i was putting out multiply and everyone was like sam smith <laughs> is the new blah 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 and i i i remember i mean me and sam were mates at that point so it never really uh there was no like rivalry but i remember feeling like okay my time in the sun's probably like at an end now and then the next year like someone else comes out it's james bay it's george ezra it's sean mendes it's lewis capaldi it's, but there's, there's like always like another one that comes in and then you sort of realize over time you're like oh like like music music isn't the olympics it's not like someone gets gold and someone doesn't it's just everyone is doing what they love mm-hmm. for a living and there's plenty of space for everyone you know people can love my music they can love taylor swift's music they can love harry styles's music they can love coldplay's music they can love kendrick lamar they can like love drake and and it doesn't like and i feel like sometimes artists get it in their head that they have to be the number one that it has to be number one number one mm-hmm. but if you're top 10 for the entirety of your career you're fucking good like Cold, yeah, coldplay yeah, yeah. have been top 10 coldplay have never been they've probably been the biggest band in the world but they've never been like the number one like over whoever but they've always been like three or seven or five or, and they've had 22 years of that and mm-hmm. i feel like that's that's a career like you can't you can't be the best forever or the the biggest you think the pop world is more fickle totally yeah totally the pop world is um 
uh, very, but I wouldn't say like I know I'm a pop star, but I feel like my um, audience is kind of very spread across the board. Like I'm played on alternative radio, I'm played on pop radio, I'm played on AAA or Hot AC or like in in England you have Radio One and Radio Two. I'm also played on Capital and then Capital Extra, and then so I'm kind of across the board. So I have pop fans, but I also have fans that are in you know uh, and other 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 genres but i find um yeah the pop world is very much here today gone tomorrow and i'm 31 now like i'm old for a pop star like but i when i first came out i was 18 and i was the new hot fresh young thing and then you know Shawn mendes comes out and he's 15 and that's you're suddenly old and oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah pop world is is fickle but that's why it's just all it's all songs it's you just have to write good songs it's not it's not about anything other than songs you can have like campaigns that are based around like tiktok moments or like viral campaigns or doing yeah but but if the song isn't good it's no matter yeah yeah. but if the song's great it explodes but Mm -hmm. it's it It helps a lot of um newer artists too or like independent artists on tiktok all of a sudden the song goes viral well and 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 there's no gatekeepers really anymore it's just like you can put a song out and it was you, you know like a song like little yachty's poland it can just explode mm-hmm. and it's the people that make that happen the people are like right this this song's great let's make this song a do you like do you like poland man i listened to poland for the it. first time this weekend and i i, I looked at it, i'm like something must be wrong with my phone because yeah. it said it's only a minute and 20 okay. seconds long i love it so much i mean it, you can't miss with a minute 20 second song <laughs> i'm like does this even register like if you play it like but it just gets in your head. I was in I was in the studio on um saturday with um benny blanco and he was like have you heard it and i was like nah and he played it to me and the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't know what to think about this. And then it was just in my head. It yeah, just kept, yeah, playing, yeah. kept playing. That's what I thought playing. too. I was like, the more you play it, the more this that hook. Whatever he's saying, it's like some melody he keeps saying over That's and over and over and over. To Poland. Poland. And I was like, what is a walk? Uh, I think it's coding. Oh. I Googled it and apparently the company is called like Wokford, Wokford uh, Farmer or something like that. Oh. I think. Oh, okay. I was like, that, that's what Urban Dictionary says anyway. Now, tell oh, you me about... It huh? <laughs> yeah. You looked it up? I was like, what I is did, a wok? I was thinking that too. I was yeah. like, what is a wok? Well, in England, a wok is a giant Here frying too. pan yeah. that you make. Yeah. So I, just, I was like, oh, he's making noodles. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> what is a cigarette in England? <laughs> Something you can't say here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> do they still say that? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do. But um, not in a song. I, I, no, but... and Oh, no, God. Like, you, I would say... I, I say it in, in England because it is... That's what the, the, the slang is. I would just never say it over here. But the, the C word in England is a term of endearment, whereas over here, it is like... You're getting cunt. punched up if you're saying it. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. That's a term of endearment? Yeah. In England? I don't understand why, like... I think of the word bitch or snake or rat or, like, cow or pig. Those are way more offensive than calling someone... Cow something and that, pig? If if someone called a member of your family a pig or a cow versus something of, of the female anatomy, a cunt. Yeah, it's I just mean, how you say if you say cunt. a rat. You know, you're a rat. You're a snake. So much more for anyway. This is this is an argument I will never win because people are offended by what they're offended by. But I just no, like, I'm with you. In 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 England, in my generation, it is used as a term of endearment, and it should be right because I always say. Why would you call somebody something that you don't like? So over here, if you call somebody <laughs> pussy, that's supposed to be a bad thing. But it's like, if you love pussy, that's not an insult if I'm calling you that. I if feel we call like you a dick, time, is that an insult? Yeah, totally. But if then someone, if, if, you're saying if that's something like, people like, though. You send them I mean, out I'm, as gifts. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm not, <laughs> not I think you're more insulted because of what, <laughs> what dick means. Like you're saying I'm a bad person. I think I think I think if yeah, it's like a prick. If you're like you're a prick. Like it's, it's That doesn't I, sound so bad. Prick is like whatever. I don't know, man. It's just all it's all it's it's all context in it and it's all how how you say it cuz the the C word can be super offensive. I think it's super offensive if you use the T. If it's cunt. It's offensive. Cunt. So what do you say cunt? Yeah, cunt. well in in England, no one pronounces their T's, do they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you would call someone a chatty patty rather than a chatty patty. Chat pat. Chat pat. You know what? Another thing that here was was uh, different for us was the Queen, mm. Queen Elizabeth's funeral. And I know there was a lot Why of... Why was it different, though? I feel like it was huge in England. Well, I'm talking about here right. in the United States. Like, we're like... You know, it was in the news for so long, and you guys they, really care about the the, the monarchy, though. Why uh, though? I, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know that but I'll be do. wondering why do people here? Well, it's 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 history. It, like it, it like I feel like it's historical, um, cultural, and 
like someone put it to me they were like i would prefer to have a queen elizabeth than a president truss basically as in president like our, trust? well we've got oh, a prime yeah, minister yeah, yeah, yeah. truss okay, as in like you. because every four or eight years you have someone new come in and we do have prime ministers but our, also our politics is absolutely mm -hmm. fucked at the moment but having there's something about having a um a head of state that's like comforting for people i think having mm -hmm. like the queen was there for you know she ruled for 70 years and i don't know she kind of felt like everyone's I, basically the monarchy lots of people disagree with it and lots mm -hmm. of people love it um and it basically I, I don't know it brings tourism to our country people like it people yeah, I didn't realize she didn't have no power. I didn't realize she no, was... No, no, no. Well, I mean, she does, like, but she doesn't. Like, if she used her power, the monarchy ends because the whole point is she can if she really wants to, mm -hmm. um, but she shouldn't. It's more of a figurehead. Yeah, because if, if she starts doing it, the, the, the reason it's like that is, like, back in, like, the 1700s or whatever, you just have, like, crazy kings that would be like, fuck this guy, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And, you know, like, it, it just turns into a dictatorship, but it's more about having... I don't really know how to explain it but it's about having um togetherness as a country like when covid happened and she mm -hmm. did a speech the whole country tuned into the speech because it felt comforting to have her speak to, i don't know i don't know how to, it sounds really weird explaining it to because we don't have that like, no here at all. well i don't yeah were you comforted by any trump speeches no. over covid yeah exactly <laughs> no cuomo, uh, chris cuomo at the time the governor <laughs> totally. not chris cuomo uh andrew, andrew cuomo, cuomo. Totally, yeah. Governor yeah. cuomo and then i think like all the Meghan marco controversy and everything that mm. happened around that we here paid attention because that was Meghan marco she's from here and then there was a lot you know surrounding that yeah and i feel like i i just i feel like they made a choice to not be part of it and they want to live their life the way that they want to live and i don't i've I, that's their choice i feel like it's weird people being like if harry wants to step away from it he should be able to i think mm -hmm. i think it was the reasons why people were like what's going on you know behind the scenes because there is this oh, like yeah. wall I'm of sure secrecy we'll find out in the crown I'm sure we'll find out. You know, they're, they're doing yeah. new seasons of The Crown. I saw the picture of you and the Queen. You, you talked about it on a, on, what were you on, Colbert? Colbert, yeah, yeah. You said she farted? That's why she was smiling? <laughs> no, I didn't Are you farted? say that. No. What was it? I was standing next to a comedian that made a joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, the, the mad thing about the Queen's Jubilee is I started playing guitar watching that watching on TV. It, yeah. I was 11 years old and I watched that on TV and Eric Clapton came on and played Layla and I was like, that's what I want to do. And then 10 years exactly 10 years later I was on the same Jubilee playing my song to you know audience wow. of England and then 10 years later again which was I think June June this year I ended up doing it again so it's it's mad like there's mad stuff around my connection with the Jubilee and the Queen and it means a lot to you totally yeah, yeah. totally and like I my granddad was I, I, I come from like quite a odd like I don't know how to explain it but in Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland the Queen is a very polarizing figure and my grandfather was from Northern Ireland and my grandmother was from Southern Ireland and they married. My grandfather was a royalist and had all these like painted plates of the Queen and my grandmother was like not super keen on um, the Queen and uh, it's so for me I'm when I got like given my MBE by the palace like that means a lot to me because of the memory of my grandfather and what it would have meant to him but it also adds like being half Irish I don't really know how to Right. There's like I, it's, I I feel very conflicted. Is that one of those things that when you met the queen, your parents were like, "Oh, Ed's really doing it. He's yeah, somebody." They, they were there. They were wow, there. I brought wow, I brought wow. them down. Yeah. I think the the times the times that have made my dad be like, "Oh, he's really doing it." Was actually at the jubilee as well. I introduced my dad to Paul McCartney, and I think wow. he, that that was when he was like, "Sir Paul McCartney." Yeah. And what's mad is Paul McCartney had seen me on. I don't really know how to what show it would be like, but it would be like. Um, uh, it's a show called Holly Oaks. I guess it would be like, what's that show? I don't want to wait for my life to be over. That you had over here. <laughs> Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Creek. So I guess it's like a really, really, <laughs> it's like an English version of, version of that, but like no one, like my generation would watch it. But I remember the first time I met Paul McCartney, him being like, man, I saw you on Holly Oaks. Because <laughs> I played a song on, on Holly Oaks. And I was like, when do you watch Holly Oaks? But yeah, he watches Holly Oaks. Wow. Now talk to me about math, man. Why is math so important to you? Like, why do you put the math sim symbols uh, or was, name them after all your albums? Well, it was basically uh, I made five EPs before I was signed. I basically I had I had all these songs, and no record label wanted mm -hmm. to sign me, and I was waiting to be signed to release these songs. And eventually, when you've done the rounds too many times, and everyone's like, "No," I was like, "Well, 
I guess I should probably just release them myself. So I went on this website called TuneCore that Russ like goes on about. Like yeah. TuneCore is great. So I went on TuneCore and I just started releasing these EPs. And by the the fifth EP, I had a plan of five. I was going to do an acoustic one, a pop one, a live one, a collaborations one, and a, um, like a one one with the band. And I was like, by the end of that, I'll have generated a fan base and I'll be able to tour. So I released these EPs over the course of a year, and then at the end of it the record labels were then interested I signed and then I had some songs left over and I was like well what should I call it and I was thinking plus because it's the addition onto all the, the other stuff that I did and then I was like if I do plus then the next album can be multiplied because I'm going to take it worldwide and make it bigger and then the next album was originally Divide was a double album so it was like half R&B half acoustic and then I basically just jumbled them up and that's what Divide is and then there's Equals mm-hmm. which was meant to be the final of the five which was meant to be the, the, the end of the equation of all the genres in one and then there's the one that I'm bringing out in um, next year basically what's that one called? Uh, I've actually never uh, confirmed the name of it but it's called um, Subtract and that's going to be I, the I last think, I think we figured yeah. that out no yeah. and well lots, <laughs> lots, of people, lots of people think it's called Minus <laughs> I know. oh okay okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, no, okay. No, but it's called Subtract it could have been and, squared um, yeah but then, but then <laughs> after that uh, technically, the five mathematicals. I've got like other ideas for 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 stuff, but that was. I mean, that's been twelve years of my career of of doing that. But it's also just on a just on a marketing point of view. I wanted to have each album. Like I loved whenever you Coldplay release an album, you like know that they release an album, even if you see a poster of just like the artwork. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, Coldplay are releasing, and I wanted to just do it simply colors like block colors so the first album is orange and it has a white plus symbol and if you, if you saw orange and a white plus symbol you'd be like okay that's ed's album the next one was bright green with a black multiply and then it was bright blue with a um divide sign and it was bright red with an equal sign and i, I love the idea of like n- never having my name and name or face on anything and it's just you see a billboard of whatever a mm-hmm. red equals sign you go oh Ed's releasing an album uh, rather than I never really liked the way I looked so I didn't really want to be in music if you look at all my first music videos I'm not in any of them and I didn't want to be on album covers you know sort of like in my uh. leather jacket looking like this you know so <laughs> I, I, I you like how you look now uh, I mean I exercise a lot so yeah I'm prone to be I like food and I like alcohol so I'm prone to being fat so I, I exercise a lot now to uh, balance that out because I still love eating yeah. I think it's good is if you get finer as you get older. I yeah, I definitely feel that that's the. Ca- I feel like when I got my eyes lasered, that was when people were like, "Oh, hey, you don't look like shit." <laughs> what did the eyes lasering do? Did it make it? Well, I just stopped wearing glasses. glasses. Oh, got gotcha, you, got gotcha, gotcha, But gotcha. I wore glasses because I didn't like the way I looked, so I'd wear these big glasses, and I felt like it was like the protection. Your face. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I felt like that, or I'd wear like a hat and glasses and stuff. So I'm a bit more comfortable. It's since working out, like I do a lot of running, a lot of weights, and eating kind of well it's the wine that gets me though mm-hmm. it's the wine that wine because i'll have like a bottle of wine a day and that adds up so you met, no no beer no i know you, you stopped no doing no beer. i've got i've got okay. beer. i stopped drinking spirits yeah, okay spirits spirits were my like trigger to all the other stuff yeah now about the mathematic tour are you going to only be doing songs from those albums like the math albums Kind of, yeah, kind okay. of. So it's sort of like a great. I hate saying greatest hits because it makes me sound like a uh, <laughs> like I'm a heritage artist. But it's the great. It's the greatest hits of those. What will be fi- the next album will come out before um, I'm in I'm in the states. So it'll be essentially the, the greatest hits. But there's like a part of the show where it's like the medley of the mm-hmm. collaborations, you know. And I'll do Fireboy, DML, Peru, and I'll do Beautiful mm-hmm. People, Khalid, and I'll do the Justin Bieber song. And you know, I've I've got. A, it's it's a it's a wide variety. I when I look at live shows, I'm sort of like if I were to go and watch Coldplay and they didn't play Yellow, mm-hmm. I feel shortchanged. I feel short. That's why. It's, yeah, it's, sometimes you want artists to go and do like medleys of. You see, like I went to go and see Drake in like 2013, and there was like a 15 minute medley of him just doing guest for, all, guest appearances. Yeah, all his features. Yeah, it's fucking great. You're just like because you get that excitement yeah. of the song, and then it's the next one, the next one, the next one. So. I think that that's important to do of just giving the audience everything that they want. Yeah, some people get sick of performing certain songs because they were so big. But then I've don't heard play. artists say that before. But then, but then don't play. Like, but then the audience gets so disappointed. If yeah, you I mean, I. But the thing is, like, there's definitely songs that I play that I'm like, this isn't my favorite song anymore. But you, when you see the reaction of it, it you're you're playing you're you're playing it for someone that has paid money to see you play that song. So mm-hmm. play that song. Would you perform at Robert Kraft's wedding? 
Uh, do you know what was mad about that? Is everyone always wants me to play perfect at their wedding, and I've never done it because I usually play on weekends or I'm with my family, and I don't want to do anything on the weekend. You've never the... done perfect at a wedding. And that I'd... is the wet. That's the per... no in, pun in intended. It. It's the perfect wedding. And when so I long. was playing it at Robert Crofts, because he asked me just to play perfect, so when I was playing it, I was like, oh, this is the first time I played it. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, mad, mad. It's fun. It was a fun, fun wedding though. Elton John was my opening act. He played just before me, and then like Meek came on stage and. It was good. I met like. Do y'all get paid for that? Uh, no, that was like a. Um, I'm doing a show for him, so we're doing like Gillette Stadium and stuff like that. So that was more it was of a, a little. He was bonus. my first. He was my first stadium in the states. Oh, got you, got yeah. you. Do you get a seat at the table and like a plate <laughs> and everything? Uh, no, but they did get me some food. I was basically, <laughs> I, I was basically, I, I late there. Like I'm not. He had his closest like mates there, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that. We're, but we're close. He was my first ever stadium in in the states but i'm very much like in terms of like private gigs i don't really do them that much mm-hmm. um it has to be like i'm playing the formula one next weekend but that's because we're not doing austin on the tour and i wanted to make sure we did or I, was the the last private i did was in hawaii and it was because i wanted to go to hawaii yeah. but i'm um i just like i like i like playing my own shows to be honest i like just yeah so when elton john opens up for you right do you ever <laughs> look and say to yourself I really got to step up my rider and everything else because I know Elton gets everything. He gets a good, he gets a good rider. What was mad though is I was chatting to Meek while Elton was on stage, mm-hmm. and we were like here, and Elton's there playing to like a hundred people. And then I stopped the conversation. And I was like, Meek, isn't it mad that we're like talking over yeah, Elton we're not John playing an intimate gig? Like this is I was like, do you ever think that you'd <laughs> ever be in a position where like this is normal? Because it just became. Became normal, but yeah, no, my rider. It sounds to me like you was trying to tell me shut the fuck up. I'm trying to listen to Elton. <laughs> sounds to me like you was trying to get out the conversation. No, man. no, man, I love Meek. I really, really love Meek. What if Elton would have been like, guys, can you stop yeah, talking guys, about it for me? Uh, shut up. <laughs> um, he, uh, no, my my rider is usually just a nice bottle of wine. Usually just a, like that's that's kind of all I would want to have at a gig. Um, so I usually just say this bottle of wine because I feel like if you ask for one thing, they're mm-hmm. gonna get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. My rider used to be. Um, do you know, actually, do you know the rumor about Madonna getting only blue M and M's? I thought yeah. that was I've heard that about, heard that about yeah. a few so, people. Yeah. So do you know why people do that? Why? So tour managers do that because they have a very extensive rider mm-hmm. of like very very specific things. Of it has to be this kind of tea and it has to be this kind of water and blah blah blah. And then they say all blue M and M's because if it's all blue M and M's, they walk into the dressing room, they see all blue M and M's, and they go, right, you've got everything we need in this rider, and I don't need to double check it. Like wow. I just I just thought it was a diva. Wow. Thing, but it's it's basically they walk in and they, and they know that everything has been followed to the T, basically. Wow. Fascinating, now, isn't it? I, I saw people congratulate, well, not congratulating you, but they were bigging you up because you kept the ticket prices reasonable. Yeah. Are you doing that because you're aware of how the economy is now across uh, the I world? Just, I just, I used to go to gigs as a kid and uh, the tickets that I bought, I could always afford and I could mm-hmm. go with my friends and I don't want to, like without sounding crass like what what is the extra money going to do for my life mm-hmm. like i would rather play sold out gigs everywhere in the world than have an extra x amount of what 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 whatever and like i don't know i i know how much my show costs and i know how much i kind of want to walk away with and after that i'm sort of fine with it and i'm sure your merch does amazing too totally yeah and you know and people coming to the gigs like this isn't going to be the last time I tour. You want That's repeat right. business. You want people being like, do you know what? I went to that show with all of my mates and we had a great time and we'll go next time. And people, always, this is what I've done for my entire career is just like make tickets uh, reasonable and affordable and they will come. And my last tour was the biggest selling tour in the world and the highest grossing as well. So we still made mm-hmm. good money and everyone came to the gig. So I'm just, you know, I don't believe in the platinum seats and the mm-hmm. VIP areas and the sold meet and greets like we do partnerships with uh, radio stations for meet and greets and it's always free and it's always competition so fans actually enter the competitions they're excited to go they don't feel like they're parting with money to to meet you and feel cheated out of it and there's just there's just ways that I like to do it and it's always worked so I'm not going to change it have you seen the pictures from Chris Brown's meet and greets no I haven't no oh, okay <laughs> take <laughs> well, a look at that when you get it here. it's yeah, pretty funny I just you know there's like different strokes for different folks you know but my <laughs> my rule has always been this and it's worked incredibly well so mm-hmm. i'm not going to i'm not going to start doing 
something that I don't believe in now. And I feel like it's, it's. I hate going, we, we would always keep the front row of um, arenas and then go to the nosebleed seats and get the back row and put them in the front row. Because then you've got the best fans who are having the best night right in front of you. Whereas opposed to, I've played a couple of like casinos where they control the front row and half of it's empty and the other half are like high rollers that don't really want to be there. And you're just playing to people that are just mm. rich and don't give a fuck. And like, you much rather play to your fans. You said something just now about doing, not wanting to do things that you don't believe in. How hard is it not to be a clout chaser in 2022? Because I know people probably come to you and be like, you know, Ed, this person's doing this and this person's doing that. Maybe you should try to do this type of record or maybe you should oh, that, take a picture yeah. doing this. And Totally. Well, I mean, TikTok is that. Like, I've, I never really understood TikTok, but TikTok controls songs now, really. Um, so I basically, there's a team in the UK that come to me and they go, well, these are these are the these are the trends, and I'll go, well, this is quite funny, and this is quite funny, and I'll just <laughs> choose the things that I mm -hmm. want to do. So I guess that is kind of chasing clout, but it's essentially that's how you advertise your music now. And if you don't do that, it's a lot more it's a lot more difficult to like advertise right. something. And I don't want to make a song and for it to be completely ignored. So it's in a that fine line sense, between marketing and clout chasing. Totally, yeah, totally. And in 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 terms of like genres, like I'm. I love spanning all genres. I like mm -hmm. trying different things. I like making like anything. I've sung in Italian, I've sung in French, I've sung in Japanese. I'm I'm I'm, I'm up for trying anything. But I think you have to walk into something with a somewhat knowledge of it and respect of it rather than just being like, "Oh, that's the hot thing. I'm 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 going to do that." So when I first made Afrobeat, I moved to Ghana and lived there for a month and wow. like made a lot of music that wasn't just my music I made music that went on other people's projects and stuff and um, yeah like how was that experience living in Ghana for amazing. a month so good did you so go good. to like the door no return and all of that stuff we the slave castles no we went to uh, basically the this the guy that I went with uh, Fuse ODG he had a house there and he had a studio in his house and I mean we went out and about mm -hmm. but like not like hugely we, went, we would like r go for runs and, and, and stuff like that but what the thing I loved about it is you'd be in the studio all day making these songs and then a phone call would be made, 200 people would turn up to the house, and then you'd have a party to the songs. Yeah, so yeah. you'd like make these songs knowing that you were going to party to them that night. And it was su just, it's su such a different vibe. And also for me, I'm like, like a, not a secretive person with my music, but I don't want it like leaking years before it comes out and phones are out and everyone's filming. Mm -hmm. It's just the culture there is just like sharing and just, it's great. Yeah, really, really, really good fun. The really nightlife is crazy. So with that said, do you have a hard time just selling music nowadays? And what I mean by that is people want your life. Totally. They want to know about the wife and the kids. Like, but well, like, no, I just want to give them the music. It's it's a, it's it's an odd line, isn't it? Because I think, well, I think kids are always off off the table. Mm -hmm. Like there's no there's no point with, with 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 that. But it's it's interesting with my life with Cherry because uh, the songs are about it. So there's obviously interest in it and mm -hmm. you know we're shooting a documentary at the moment around my life and there was a big conversation about what do we include and i think that as long as it's honest and it and it links in with a theme of something that's in a song like there's no point putting something in if it is just de uh, detrimental to your life i think but yeah it's definitely there's a fine line, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're all public figures. Everyone's interested in what you talk about, your personal life on the radio. You talk about your personal life on the radio. Therefore, you've somewhat opened the door. But then there's also this boundary preaching privacy right. of being mm -hmm. like, oh, actually, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a human being. Um, that sometimes people forget. So yeah, it's a very fine line. But that's why I like you've been to my house in Suffolk. Like that's why I live where I live, and I don't live in Los Angeles, and I don't um, my life as a celebrity is switched on when it needs to be switched on. So I come to New York and I'm working this week. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing the TVs and I'm doing the radios and I'm I'm a celebrity for the week. But when I go home, I'm I'm a friend, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a son. And that's my like I've I you can't bring celebrity baggage into a pub in Suffolk. You that's just right. you just have to be yourself. Well no. what if, what if the pub is in your yard <laughs> well, right I mean, next that, to your house. Like. Yeah I mean that is do you know actually since you you came and then basically the pandemic happened that pub hasn't really been properly used as a what? pub. What? Yeah, it's weird. Like the the um, the kind of way of hanging out. I don't I don't know if it's changed here, but the way of hanging out in England is very different. It's not like twenty people go to. I'll meet up with like a mate and go to a mm -hmm. pub, but it used to just be a bit more 
free, I feel. I would think that uh, that would be the place everybody would have came to hang out during the pandemic. Because yeah, y'all are in your little bubble right I there. Don't know, I don't know how it was here, but like it was very much people were trying to catch you out. So like... The, yeah, being irresponsible yeah so like a oh, neighbor you, a neighbor you. of someone might tell the press of you know right. someone coming around and then and, you have kids and a family too and yeah, yeah, I think totally. you have to be more responsible mm -hmm. when you have that to well we actually didn't about. have we didn't have a kid for the first half Ch Cherry was pregnant for the first half mm -hmm. but that's how we kept it so quiet no one right, knew she was pregnant knew. Yeah, <laughs> but then the second one um, was mad because Cherry was pregnant whilst I was promoting Equals and we went to like award shows with her massive bump and no one picked up on it and then mm -hmm. the week we gave birth. Yeah, everyone found out. It's just like, kind of you... impolite to be like, is you? Because what if she's not? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah, just yeah. put it out I don't there. know. I don't, it, was like, it was like a proper bump. It was a proper bump. But yeah. Are you really, are you doing the tour just to get out the house? Be honest. Well, no, they they come with me. Oh, you're taking come, them on the road? Yeah, yeah, okay. They, they come. So we've, I've, I've been on tour for the entire year. I started touring in April. And uh, we have just been renting houses. So we lived in like... Dublin for a week. We lived in Limerick for a week. We lived in Frankfurt for a week, and yeah, it's it's fun. Lots of zoos. Been to lots of zoos mm -hmm. with with, <laughs> with with the kids, and uh, it's great. You know, it's great for my daughter. My daughter's come comes to the shows mm -hmm. and watches the gigs. She sort of assumes that everyone else's dad sings as well, though. So, yeah, so where's your dad sing? <laughs> yeah, well, and and also she assumes that every single song ever is mine. <laughs> so she'll hear something and she'll be like, "Oh, is daddy singing." It's like, no, no, that's like. The Beatles or something like that, you know. What about this Pokemon, the Celestial song? Does, yeah. Do your kids care about that? Like, there, she hasn't fun. really got to Pokemon stage yet, but I care about that. Like, I'm a, <laughs> I, I love Pokemon. Yeah, you're a Pokemon guy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, Pokemon was my escape as a as a kid. I didn't really have a fun time at primary school when I was like six, seven, eight, and that's when Pokemon came out, and it was my escape into a world. I think that's why I love Harry Potter so much. You escape into a world where you can sort of exist in your mind, and I would play Pokemon as that escape and then you get older and then it's comforting to go back and play the game and then suddenly I'm in Japan and I meet the head of Pokemon and he's like you should do a song for us and I'm like I don't even know how, what that sounds like like what does a song for Pokemon sounds like, sound, sound like and then we, we, we ended up doing it my favourite thing about the music video <laughs> was because it's all green screen and they mm -hmm. draw in the Pokemons um, I'm sitting there at a breakfast that they've set up and they're putting food on the table and uh, it's basically there was about 20 people uh, from the Japanese Pokemon company like branch there making sure it's all done and they've got a Japanese director and they've got an English trans translator and I'm there sort of eating the food and then you just see this kind of huddle and they're all talking like really really seriously and I say to the translator I was like what's what's going on and he's like they're not sure whether Pikachu eats eggs or not and I was like okay what? And, and they're like they said they've got to do a conference call to Japan right now so they all go in and they put this zoom on and you see them all like really seriously like looking and like nodding and I'm kind of like oh fuck this is like proper, proper serious and then they come back in and everything resumes and we go back to and I say the translator and I was like so does Pikachu eat, eat eggs and translator's like he no. doesn't <laughs> it was like super serious how the hell would they know that well, because it's like because it's a world that they've created, they have to take it so seriously. Yeah. So I did a I did a TikTok for them, where I got something wrong, and Oop. I had to take it take it down. But it is really super serious. Uh, what did you get it's wrong? Their, you know, it's the biggest selling franchise ever. Pokemon ever. Wow. Ever over like Harry Potter, over Star Wars, over like any Disney it. film. Yeah, it's like 117 billion generated or something like that. It's complete. Remember when they had that game? Everybody was walking around. Oh yeah, Pokemon Go. I never got into that. That was <laughs> that was a step too far for me. <laughs> Is your toy collection worth anything? The to don't you got a Pokemon plush toy collection? Oh, I don't know if they're worth anything. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just get like whenever I go to Japan. They send me one, so I'm like J Japan. Japan used to be the one place that I could go and blend in because, like, no one liked my music there. Mm -hmm. Basically, I would tour there and play to, to no one. So when I went traveling, I uh, took my wife there and we traveled around Japan. No one said anything, and then Shape of You came out, and it just ended all of that. So much so that they won't even let me promote new music there. I'll go and I'll be like, "Can I play Bad Habits?" And they're like, like no. "No, you need to play Shape. Play Shape of You." <laughs> It's like number one for like three years there. It's wow. in insane. And you said you didn't get in the Pokemon Go? Why? Uh, I just didn't like it as a game. I didn't. Yeah. I, it's not. It's not. I want to be in the Pokemon world. I don't want to exist in this world catching Pokemon. This world sucks at times. I want to be in yeah. Kanto. And plus, you don't have a phone, so. No, but you could play it on an iPad. But can you imagine seeing a ginger kid with glasses walking around with an iPad trying to catch Pokemon? Yeah. Looks pretty on brand yeah. to me. Ginger kid with eye glasses <laughs> playing Pokemon. That sounds pretty no, on that, brand to me, guys. It's so super awesome, wicked cool. <laughs> <laughs> I 
got a Snorlax. <laughs> so can we expect a new album? You said some track is coming. Yeah, some track is coming. Uh, there's a new album. And then there's new music. I'm basically like, I'm I'm in the most creative part of my life, I feel, because mm-hmm. I've the, the pressure of every album having to be this like gargantuan pop machine is off. I feel like the, the, I've had... I've had five of them now, and mm. I feel like now's the time to actually explore doing stuff and taking risks and just be like, well, it, because I'm, I'm going to be on a stadium tour for five years, so even if I put out an album and it bombs, I'm still playing to 92,000 people that night. You know, it's, there's no... I don't feel the pressure of it. You're going to tour for the next five years? We Well, including this year, yeah, we finish in 2026. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. So a new album comes out beginning of the year, then a North American tour starts yeah. in March? In, no, I've got I've got Australia in January and February. Okay. And then I've, America starts in April. And then after then we're going to hit other countries. And then we go back to... No, I think we do Asia in 24. And then we go back to Europe. And then we do all the, all the fun countries. So the ones that... 2009 was my fun country tour where it's like, fuck it, let's play in Iceland. And you go mm-hmm. and play in Iceland to like one in five people. And you play in Romania and you play in... Like I really want to play Egypt. Like mm-hmm. there's a there's a venue in front of the pyramids that I really wow. really really want to play. So I hope that that works out. But that's the year of doing that. My manager will be listening to this, being like, "Why are you telling all all the plans?" But but this is the only tour we're doing in America. We're not coming back to America. This is it. And this Khalid is. and Russ are well. Khalid's going to do some dates. Russ's going to do some dates. We've got Cat Burns. We've got um, Maisie. We've got Dylan. I think Griff's doing some. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be good. The Khalid thing's like really cool. Uh, because he's got about as many I think he's got 10, 10 billion streaming songs and I've got 10 billion streaming songs so you get come to a show and you're going to see 20 billion mm-hmm. streamers in the space of like three hours which I, f- I find quite quite cool and it'd be great we, me and Russ still haven't played that uh, the tune that we've done together so I'm really excited to play that your kids are going to be so well rounded man yeah. and so well so, yeah, travelled Lyra's, Lyra's been to 25 countries already wow. it's, it's wild yeah it's wild but I think it's important to see well, I grew up in the countryside, so I, when I first moved to London at age uh, 17, I remember being like, oh my God, like the world is not what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important for like when we, when we tour South America, I want Lyra to see everything, you mm-hmm. know, not just like a really lovely hotel or whatever. I want to, I, w- I want her to travel around, see, like go to the rainforest and see shit, you know? All right. It's my guy, Ed Sheeran, man. Ed, thank you for coming, brother. Yeah, thank thanks you. for always stopping by to see us. Yeah, I know yeah. you don't have to, but it's nice I love that it. You do. I love it. It's always, it's, it's always the best interview of the day for me. I love it. And who, oh, man, let me ask you, who are you fucking with musically right now? Uh, Hip-hop or otherwise? Do you know what? There's a there's a song in the UK. Um, it's uh, is it Sonna and Quams. Is it Quams? Yeah. Um, called Yeah, 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 that I'm like got on repeat. Um what else? I mean, it's a, a lot of UK music. I mean, I do listen to a lot of American music, but UK music is so my... Um, I'm just around it mm-hmm. all the whole time. Stormzy's released a new song called Hide and Seek that's like the most fucking beautiful song. Of it. You, should, you should listen right, to listen it. Listen to it. It's, it's, to Stormzy. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, mate, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. Uh, I mentioned uh, one cuz last time I was I was here who's a, a, a Swedish rapper, but he's just about to release a new record that's really, really good as well. But like, I'm... Just as I tour around, I'm listening to stuff. Right. Um, what else? I bought something the other day. Oh, do, do, do you listen to D-Block Europe? D-Block Europe? So basically, D-Block Europe is... Mm-hmm. Is is that... J, that's Jadakiss, right? Yeah, Jadakiss yeah. style. Yeah. So, and she, yeah. so they set up um, uh, D-Block Europe maybe like 10, 15 years ago. But now they're, they're an act in their own right. They're like arena level selling act. But I just did a, wow. a, a feature on their record that um, that is is great. So go and, go and check that out as well. Okay. All right, it's my man Ed Sheeran. It's the Breakfast Club. D Blocky, I never heard of D Blocky. Yeah, man, they they're like. I remember Dipset had their um your yeah. arm too. Remember that Dipset? Yeah. Oh no, yeah, they fucking did. I knew those guys as well. Yeah. I don't know what happened with that. Well, D Block Europe, they sold like three three o twos. They're like doing full arena tours across. Yeah, across I wonder Europe. why they they don't ever talk about it. Um. You should definitely check them out, though, man. They're like they're the same level as like Dave and Stormzy and what? J House in terms of like people. Let me check them out. They sold out the equivalent of the Garden. Give me back her charger. They're like they're big. Do you black Europe? Yeah. Check them out. When you leave. You stopped, so you did play. I think I'm going to Austin, so I leave. I'm here. What am I doing tomorrow? I just had to see what the whole hype was about. Yeah, I got on late. 
I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm basically here until I got on like super late, oh, like oh, okay. four years ago. Like <laughs> I didn't even play with it. Yeah. Oh. I needed that. <laughs> Oh, you gonna pick? No, these questions. Oh, no, they're just funny. Oh, I wrote them. Like, hey, you're bisexual, so. <laughs> uh, can we get the track listing too from the? I think I oh, it is on here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what's going on with the Daily Paper interview? Oh, okay. When is it playing? In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. 
get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.